Hey there, it's Friday. And as every Friday, a very warm welcome to Bergos Now, our weekly podcast with me, Aurelia Rauch, and today with Till Christian Budelmann. Hi, Till. Hi, Aurelia. Um, Till, let's dive right in. What are we going to talk about today? Yeah, I would like to simply pick up right where we left off three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You will remember, Aurelia, we discussed the fundamentals. Yeah. And over this short period of time, we have seen quite an interesting development regarding the pricing of these fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And I think it's simply necessary that we include this development in our overall assessment of the economy and capital markets. Perfect. But before we start doing that, um, it's already been three weeks, has it? So would you mind terribly looking back and giving a bit of an overview of what was discussed the last time you were here? Of course. The COVID-19 situation is still dampening the mood of many individuals, no question about it. But the global economic outlook for 2021 remains promising. And uh, once again, the economic outlook for the United States is much more favorable than for Europe. And for the full year 2021, we anticipate economic growth of 4% in the Eurozone. And please keep in mind that the Eurozone's GDP contracted by 7% last year. Mm -hmm. So in the Eurozone overall, economic output will remain well below the pre-crisis level. And uh, on the other hand, the economic outlook in the United States is much different after a 3.5% contraction in 2020. So only half as bad as in the Eurozone, at least uh, percentage-wise. We think the U.S. economy will expand by around 6% in 2021, mm -hmm. so quite a healthy number. And the United States should be able to recover from the coronavirus-induced decline in economic output already by roughly the middle of the year. And then, of course, I had and have today um, to include the typical corona disclaimer, it must always be kept in mind that our forecasts are currently subject to a major uncertainty factor, and that's obviously the progression of the COVID situation and especially the adverse economic impact of the respective government measures. Yeah, of course. Still. Um, but you said there was something to add to this. So we're looking at a new factor today. Absolutely. We have to talk about bond yields. Mm -hmm. Rising bond yields are setting the pace in markets these days and are causing higher volatility across all asset classes. Okay. And the 10-year US government bond yield even temporarily exceeded 1.6% last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, what were the reasons for this move? First of all, the more than doubling of yields on 10-year US Treasury bonds from 07 to 1.6% since early October is striking but it should not come as a surprise. Yields have been severely depressed by the corona developments and were bound to rebound. And reflation hopes and concerns that central banks may turn off the liquidity taps early were driving the sell-off in bond markets over the last days and weeks. And the key question should now be, does the rise in yields pose a serious risk to our above consensus outlook for economic growth and for risk markets in general. Hmm. And do you dare to answer that? Yeah, our answer is not really. Okay. Um, we see a return of bond yields from ultra low to still low levels as a consequence of rather than an obstacle to 
a strong economic rebound. That's the key message of this episode. Mm -hmm. For example, despite the risk-off environment within the asset class equities, pro-cyclical stocks have performed well, so-called cyclical value stocks, such as financials and energy, have outperformed. Mm -hmm. And seen from a fundamental angle, the ultra-low yields of 2020 made much less sense than the less depressed yields to which markets are heading now. And uh, please remember, just several months before the corona situation unfolded, 10-year U.S. Treasury bond yields stood at 1.9. And earlier, uh, most of you will remember, in, in September 2018, following a period of healthy growth, and just before the Fed began to signal that it would not raise rates any further, yields even exceeded 3%. And of this minute, we are at 1.47, to be exact, and to put things a little bit into perspective. And as usual, necessary and ultimately welcome adjustments in markets are rarely smooth. Trying to find a new post-COVID equilibrium, markets are prone to sudden spikes in volatility. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, such short-term volatility rarely hits business sentiment and overall economic performance. Most of the time, it's just something capital markets have to deal with mm -hmm. over a couple of weeks or maybe month. Mm -hmm. Okay, Till, I, I get that. You just said that these kinds of spikes rarely really impact the economy and so on, and something that the markets have to deal with. However, let me ask you, I guess, four questions that have been sort of floating around that I've been hearing from colleagues, maybe clients are wondering the same. Um, may I just of course. Sh shoot away? Um, the first one's pretty straightforward. The actual economic impact. What's your assessment there? Yeah, no question. Financing costs matter. And if yields were to rise much faster and by much more than we anticipate anyway, we may have to rethink the outlook for interest-sensitive sectors, for example, the real estate markets. Mm -hmm. But the huge fiscal stimulus in the US and in Europe, the combination of pent-up demand for consumer services with huge excess savings of households on both sides of the Atlantic, the need to replenish inventories and the positive outlook for global trade are an exceptionally potent mix. And some normalization in bond markets should not derail the strong economic expansion we project. Mm -hmm. My next point would be one that I think a lot of people are concerned about at the moment, inflation. Obviously, inflation is making headlines. Yeah. And uh, special factors such as oil price, base effects and transport costs will raise headline inflation significantly in mm -hmm. coming months, I think. That's for sure. A strong cyclical rebound and a likely spring and summer hump in prices upon the reopening of pubs, restaurants and theaters, as well as a return of tourism, will also feed inflation worries. But we all know modest inflation greases the wheels of commerce and it will take time for underlying inflation, excluding the mentioned special and hopefully temporary factors, to re-accelerate to such an extent that central banks would have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Are you already mentioning what I was going to ask you next? Okay. Um, what is the central bank's reaction? Yeah, central banks are watching, but keep in mind financial markets are not their prime concern. They care about the economic outlook and the potential consequences of market moves for their inflation 
and explicit or implicit employment mandates. Mm -hmm. Central banks are well aware of the special and temporary effects that will lift inflation in 2021. And we expect them to look through such effects and not to be pushed into a premature discussion of scaling back their stimulus. The Fed has already reminded us that they do not intend to taper their asset purchase programs anytime soon. And in line with comments from various ECB board members, the ECB may even step up its purchases within its flexible PEP. PEP, of course, stands for Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program. And after 10 years of over-predicting inflation, central banks will want to be sure that the economic rebound is well entrenched and that underlying inflation is moving towards their targets for good, underpinned, for instance, by stronger wage gains, before they reduce their stimulus. Okay, my final question would be about equity valuations. This is indeed a frequent question. We received a wave of client concerns regarding this issue over the last days alone. Yeah. And investors ask us whether the level of rates is becoming a threat to equity valuations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, the S&P 500 forward PE multiple of almost 22 stands far above the historical averages. But on the other hand, the 300 plus basis points gap between the S&P's forward EPS yield of 4.6%, you know, the inverted mm -hmm. uh, P-E ratio. Right. Um, and the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield still shows a certain relative attractiveness of equities versus bonds. Not quite as attractive as last year, but still attractive. And for example, keeping the current P-E constant the 10-year yield would have to reach 2.2% to bring the yield gap to the historical average of 240 basis points. Hmm. And please keep in mind, our positive 2021 view on equities had already embedded expectations of rising yields. And as of today, the forward market implies that 10-year nominal yields will climb to 1.7% till the end of the year. So that would be a move from one. 0.47 to 1.7 and we would be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Before I let you go, Till, we covered quite a bit of ground. Would you mind giving a bit of an end summary? Of course. You will remember, Aurelia, our macro base case for 2021, mm -hmm. which we discussed in this format in November of last year, right after the elections. Exactly, yes. And we published four points. First, we expected uh, the following implications of a Biden presidency and the distribution of seats in Congress. We said at the time the former provides for a more conventional foreign and trade policy and the latter, the narrow distribution of seats in Congress, uh, should prevent dramatic shifts in tax policies. Then we expected vaccines to be approved and administered to a large portion of the Western population and even with vaccines we expected more fiscal stimulus around the globe. Mm -hmm. Then point number three, the global economy continues its recovery and profits rebound significantly. And last not least, point number four, key central banks remain on hold, especially the Fed with a stable Fed funds rate of between zero and 25 basis points. And today I can tell you that we still believe in these assumptions mm -hmm. 
and in our view on risky assets, we are still fairly constructive based upon the strong fundamentals that underpin this market. For example, the global COVID-19 recovery, reopening of economies, as well as the mentioned monetary and fiscal stimulus. And we should all keep in mind the current market turmoil is a result of a pro-risk rotation. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, we expect a significant EPS acceleration this year. Um, Q4 earnings have already come out strong with the S&P 500 delivering an outright positive year-over-year -year growth rate. Imagine we are comparing the Q4 2020 numbers with the Q4 2019 numbers. So we compare a COVID quarter, if you like, yeah. with a pre-COVID uh, quarter. Yeah. So that's good news. And uh, to repeat, in absolute terms, PE multiples are high, no question about it, but not equity yields versus bond yields. Mm -hmm. And to sum it up in, in just one sentence, in a nutshell, we believe that equities will be able to incorporate the discussed repricing in bonds. Fantastic, Till. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next Friday with Burgos Now. Until then, have a wonderful weekend, a very successful and pleasant week, and goodbye. <laughs>